Yo, what is up, guys? Welcome back to Tag Team, Pokemon Trading Card Games premier podcasting duo. My name is Riley Holbert, joined, as always, by my good, good friend and soon-to-be father, Mr. J.W. Crewall. J.W., how's it going today? It's going pretty well, Riley. We're a week away. So exciting, man. Yeah, it's it's extremely exciting. So if if the cast next week is delayed or non-existent please understand <laughs> that i perhaps will be a new father one of the few times when the life will take priority over the cast true yeah very <laughs> few times exactly you know funerals births maybe a wedding but <laughs> maybe a wedding. that's i mean that's really all that's coming to mind yeah, I mean, I can't think of anything else that I would miss for, so. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> it's so exciting, man. So what's been going on this week? Well, we've been, let's see, the, the nursery's finished. I think I had that done last week. Um, we're buying some food so that we can just, love, food. you know, we're yeah. buying some Costco, like, microwave meals. <laughs> just so that we don't have to, like, think about it. If yeah, we just mindlessly Cause, eat sometimes. Because normally, yeah. Ann and I, like, we cook, but... Certainly in that first one to four weeks, you're not going to be getting a ton of sleep. And I don't know how reasonable it is to cook, <laughs> but uh, we went and got some of that. We're getting the car seat in the car tomorrow. And Ew. I'm reading my parenting book, which is has a lot of very interesting opinions and thoughts and just things I didn't know about how the baby's supposed to eat and what the baby stool is supposed to look like and and the fact that you're supposed to scream at them all day until they do it well some would say some would say <laughs> some some people do be saying this <laughs> uh, fortunately i'm not reading their books okay okay but, gotcha uh, different set of literature yeah exactly so yeah pretty cool man it's gonna be exciting so that is very exciting. Can't yeah. hate it. Yeah. How about you, Riley? What's new on your end? Uh, well, my one of my projects is coming to a very, very long-awaited close next week. So I am very excited to be done with that. Uh, I managed to actually register for EUIC in that registration window. Uh, very thankful that I was in like a very large meeting or i could just get on my phone and do that and not feel bad about it right <laughs> um and otherwise it's been you know it's been smooth sailing playing a lot of elden ring lately um me and a couple of friends from work just get on like discord after work <laughs> and chill out and play elden ring and stream to each other uh, and that's been fun you know it's just been classic classic riley stuff you know yeah i hear you that's great man yeah, I would say so. Uh, I'm running on like two hours of sleep thanks to a very loud <laughs> thunderstorm last night. And I'm chilling, man. <laughs> We're going to get through this and then you'll be off to bed. And it's it's all good when I'm in the middle of doing something. The worst parts of my day today was when I was like about to do something. You know, that was the worst feeling. Yes. <laughs> and I had important definitely. stuff that I was like, I was talking to VPs of, of healthcare organizations today. <laughs> and in between the conversations, I would just be like, oh. <laughs> this is it huh like yeah. i'm done for 
and then I'd like get my burst of energy for you know an hour or two, and then yeah, and then I'd be done for, and then I get a burst of energy. That's funny. So yeah. you're on your last wind then. It may be the last one I have. Period. Yeah. yeah. Right. Well, <laughs> so, fair enough. There you go. You know, and then hibernate, and then I'll wake up in time for for next week's up. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, as long as you don't miss the episode. That's right. That's right. Well, folks, we got some exciting stuff to talk about for this week. Of course, now that IRL play is back, it is just nonstop with these events over the last few weeks. We have more to come in the future weeks as well. So we're going to take a look uh, retrospectively at how the Liverpool Regional Championships went. Robin Schultz taking the dub with the Urshifu Moltres deck. Very cool variant. We'll talk about that. We'll also talk looking ahead, you know, now that we've got Salt Lake City and Brisbane and Liverpool behind our backs. What does that mean for the next event in Sao Paulo? And then after the card of the day, an ad read will dive into some of the ongoing discussions about the Pokemon Trading Card Game Live and you know the future of online Pokemon TCG simulation. So let's dive right into it. Liverpool, Robin Schultz taking the W with Rapid Strike Urshifu. JW, how many one-ofs were in Robin's deck? Many people are saying there were 22. 22 one-ofs. That is some control deck stuff right there. <laughs> yeah, it's like I was thinking that as soon as somebody said, oh, there are 22 one-ofs, I was like, oh, that, that feels like a stall deck or like a counter deck. <laughs> yeah. And it's just, you know, you usually would expect that to be in these kinds of decks that are trying to prepare for everything. Yeah. Right? And so a lot of Robin's deck was... You know, these one-ofs that were trying to, um, you know, I guess prepare him for anything. But they weren't, like, direct counters to anything. You know, it just happened to be that his supporter line was all over the place. But they all had, you know, very specific purposes. And, of course, if you're, you know, in in with the, the Rapid Strike Urshifu, there's a lot of little cards that can go a long way to helping you achieve goals. So like the Octillery, like the one of Metacham. The Passimian is probably not something that you're going to have multiple of. So uh, it was a really interesting list and a very creative by, well, maybe not Robin. I don't think Robin created the deck, but very creative yeah. by He gave Tord credit and, to Tord and... And, uh, and Pedro? No, it wasn't Pedro. Was it Pedro? Maybe it was Pedro. I don't want to speak out of turn. Maybe I'll check. I'll fact check that, but Tord at least was a contributor, <laughs> and Robin was the pilot. Tord ironically did not play this deck. <clears throat> Felt like he had more practice on the Mew deck, and ended up taking it to day two, but not all the way home. Yeah, it I mean, was uh, certainly you know a lot of the great players in uh, in this Liverpool regionals did opt to go with Mew, and I think that was. A bit of a surprise okay, for me. Okay, it was Pedro, yeah. I, I feel like that was a bit of a surprise. I, I, th- I said heading into Salt Lake City that I felt like a lot of the better players there would be playing Arceus. Um, and I kind of thought that that trend would continue into Liverpool. But it just seemed like there were a lot of players that were on, um, you know, either Malamar, which did particularly well in this tournament, Rapstrygershfu, you know, had had a number of top players, and then also Mew VMAX had a had a wide 
variety of players that were playing it. Yeah, and MuV Max did show up harder in Liverpool than it did in Salt Lake. There was a Mew, two Mews actually, in the top eight, and many more in the upper standings, whereas opposed to Salt Lake, they all aggregated <laughs> in the bottom half. Yep. Um, so clearly, like, Mew is still a force to be reckoned with. We kind of alluded to that over the last week. The The main development was some of those other decks that you were calling out that, you know, made a really strong showing for themselves. Of course, Sander also made top eight with some wacky control list that I can't fully wrap my head around. <laughs> um, but I'm interested to talk through some of these kind of breakout stars, those being the the Urshifu and the Malamar, I think, are the two decks that we're probably a little underestimated going into in this event. Certainly. So. Yeah, I I always have a soft spot for Rapid Strike Urshifu, but you're absolutely right. Malamar was something that we had talked about as being among the top decks, but never one that I thought would be in contention to win the event. Uh, obviously, Brennan Cameron getting second. There was Joe Bernard, who absolutely thrashed in day one going a perfect nine and oh so uh, these decks were were at the top for the, most of the event yeah so let's let's answer the question that's on everyone's mind then for malamar the optimal variant seems to have presented itself at this point and we talked about it last week it seems solidified now malamar and Teleon just seems to be the definitive way to play the deck it's more consistent seems to more reliably set up which is the main downfall of the Malamar deck. All right. And yeah, honestly, I think keep oh, yeah, keep calling on the on the Sobble is just a huge and the Brawly uh, blessing as well. for the deck. And the Brawly, of course, yeah. And honestly, like the Malamar Inteleon deck prefers, in my opinion, to go second and just get the immediate setup with the keep calling and the Brawly. And then you're kind of chilling, honestly. You have everything that you need from there fairly easily to to carry forward. Um so I'm interested, JW, kind of what your thoughts are on Malamar specifically. My personal opinion, and the reason I ask this, is I think Malamar is a really good deck. I do think it's strong and has really good matchup spread against many of the top decks that are out there. And even like the Urshifu deck, if you play a, a Manaphy, you can probably honestly get away versus that matchup fairly easily as well. However... My main gripe with Malamar, my beef with Malamar, mm. and I have actually the same beef with Mew, is it feels like you take away a lot of your agency in whether or not you're going to win the game. And what I mean by that is, of course, there are decisions that you're going to make over the course of the game with Malamar, important ones too. But I feel like your winning and losing is less defined by those decisions, especially after you hit a certain skill threshold and more defined by whether or not you like get that initial setup, you know, the mm. RNG of that setup, mm -hmm. which is just pure RNG. Like you, there's nothing you can do to influence that really right. uh, beyond what you've already done in building your right. Malmar deck. Right. Um, and that makes me uncomfortable. You know, I, I don't like, I don't like playing decks where it feels like I'm taking away my agency to influence the outcomes of games. So sure. JW, I'm curious what your thoughts are about Malamar. Is it a deck that you would consider bringing to a big tournament and why or why not would you feel that way? Yeah, I I think that I would take a little bit more of a softer stance than you in terms of the agency that you have because I do feel, of course, if you don't get set up in the early game, 
Like that's where Malamar struggles the most is just getting out the gates, making sure that you can get enough sobbles down, making sure you can get enough in case down. Uh, that, that's certainly like the, the kind of, um, uh, you know, potential kink in the, in the armor of the deck. Um, but I, I would also say that, you know, playing it a, a little bit this week, uh, playing it a little more, I should say this week, there are some mid game decisions that you have to make. I, I oh, think absolutely. Anytime, you, I play, anytime you play with the Intellion line, you know, you're always going to have these kind of micro decisions that um, are going to, you know, have very small percentages on how well the deck performs. Um, I don't deny so, that necessarily. And I don't, mm-hmm. and I would not write Malamar off outright either. I think maybe mm-hmm. the point I'm making more so is um, like, I think the deci- the amount of games that will be win and lost on those decisions after you hit like a certain point, like mm-hmm. the, the top 5% versus the, the top 90 or like the top, I don't know, 10% or 15% or 20%. The amount of games that are like won on those decisions in those profiles are less mm-hmm. than just the amount of games that are influenced by whether or not you hit turn one, Sobble or Brawly. Mm, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I, I would agree there. It's just like uh, uh, there's certainly a a like an optimal start and anything less than the optimal start and you're in very deep water. So I, I would agree with that statement. I will say, though, that's just my personal take. I do think Malvar is a really good deck. Um, it's one I've been playing a lot <laughs> lately. I use yeah. it to to farm ladder points. I play it in, like, online events um, or, like, the eight-ticket pods or, you know, whenever I just want to queue up and play some quick games and satisfying games, Malamar is, like, my go-to. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a really solid deck. I don't want it to sound like I'm writing it off. I do think it is one of among the top decks in the metagame, and it has really, really good matchups against the other decks. Yeah, it's just that just that early game and like you said that agency that you don't have you know a deck like um arceus you know there are decisions that you can make there but i feel like you have a little bit more agency over what's going on particularly surrounding the starbirth ability um obviously a deck like rapid strike urshfu you're gonna have a ton of decision making that can influence the game uh for better or for worse you know, throughout the in, almost entirety of the game. So, you know, certainly there are other decks that you can, if, you, if you're looking to take it more into your own hands, I, I, I think I generally tend to, as a player, um, shift away from decks like Malamar that are kind of very linear, um, very, you know, one-trick pony and how they close out games and win their games. And I tend to favor decks that are a little bit more versatile so something like an arceus something like a rapid strike so i think that's a great transition then to start talking about the other main rapid strike deck in in urshifu uh so obviously robin schultz winning the event the 22 one-offs not a single duplicate in his supporter lineup (laughs) every single one was unique uh and among those non-duplicate supporters there are zero copies of Marnie and zero copies of Professor's Research. His only draw, like hard draw supporters, were Cynthia's and Zinnia's Resolve. And then there's also a Bird Keeper to draw a couple cards and switch. I think primarily, though, the motivator there is to get that that reliable switch out. Mm-hmm. Um, and just kind of crazy, wacky list. I, ironically, we had 
been tooling around. I mean, you have been historically a, a big fan of pairing Moltres cards and Urshifu cards. Maybe not in this exact same framework, but you know, you've been outspoken about that. You you won the full grip <laughs> tournament with a with a rapid strike Urshifu. Well, top top four. Top but... four. Sorry, with the rapid strike Urshifu. Azul won that one. Sorry. Yeah. Um, well, with the... Hey, you take Azul's name out of your mouth. Okay. That's right. It is a competitor, so. <laughs> <laughs> so, but you, you know, like historically, you have enjoyed that archetype. Yeah. Um. What do you think about kind of the Robin list, the take on it? My personal take is I kind of agree with you. Where Urshifu, there's a lot of cards where you can get a lot of value just by slotting one of them in your deck. You yeah. know, the Pissimian and Telescopic Sight combo to Sight Crobats, for example. That's a lot of value in an individual game if you can find it, but it's two more one-ofs in your deck. Yeah, You know, absolutely. you have the Cheryl. It's just another one-of. You got the... <laughs> I swear Europeans <laughs> in Pokemon really love the Snorlax, the Gormandai mm. Snorlax. Have yeah. you noticed that? Like, a lot of the, like, Tor and Pedro list yeah, and Pedro, play Snorlax. I, I noticed Pedro's <laughs> list for sure. He's, he's a big Snorlax stand, which is cool. It's cool. I mean, I would make maybe a few different decisions um, in terms of like, like the concept is innovative, right? Because you have this rapid strike Urshifu deck that is looking to just amass as big of a hand as possible, uh, looking to keep as many options open at any point as possible. And I think that that's something really, really cool. Like if I look back at the Urshifu Moltres list that I was trying to build and that I have built, um, it, I'm very much like assuming that I'm going to discard, you know, a telescopic site in the early game. Cause I'm only playing professor's research. So, uh, I'll include two telescopic sites. So I know I have it when I need it. Right. Or, or like the Pissimian, like I, I would think about playing like an ordinary rod just to make sure I can get that back when I need it. But with this list, it's, it's innovative in that you're, you're making sure that you're never you know, discarding what you don't want to discard. And so while I think that it might be spread a little bit too wide, a little bit too thin in certain areas, like I would want a little bit more access to the Galarian Moltres. Um, I think playing one is, uh, it, it works again, but it's like there are um, certainly times where I would just wish like I had a had greater access to it right so you're just spread super thin super wide in terms of um the resources that you have available so i would want to take a list like this which is really innovative really really cool and just narrow it slightly take out some of the decision making take out some of the one-ofs but just make it so that i'm a little little bit more reliably yeah yeah, a little bit more streamlined a little bit more reliably doing what i want to do yeah and that's kind of my thought as well I like clearly this was a good list in the event, but I also I do want to comment. There's also clearly like some level of unreliability to this list. Mm-hmm. You know, we saw a vast majority of those limitless folks, if not all of them, play the Rapid Strike or Jifu deck, and only Robin made day two. Robin did win the tournament, but nobody else in that group made day two with the list. I mean, right. I think that is that does say something in of itself. You know about how reliable this kind of very spread wide version of the deck is yeah Um, yeah i think i think players should not be worried 
necessarily about this exact version because like you said um a whole team took it robin was the only one to make top eight and then he got you know frankly just like a dream top eight um you know missing missing the muse in top eight i you know and hitting the malamars without (laughs) yeah and then hitting the malamars without manaphy uh hitting the arceus decks arceus seems like you know among your best matchups as well so you know a just a great run throughout the tournament and then just the the ultimate top eight um you know pairings so um yeah that, that is really important to call out that this list won the tournament didn't do particularly well overall i think some of the other players that played it had like win and ends and ended up losing those yeah um but how can you make its win percentage just a little bit better on the whole Right. And I think, again, kind of focusing it, making it a little bit more streamlined. It's going to be how you do that. Yeah. And that's something I've personally been exploring. I actually was testing a very similar concept starting that Friday. (laughs) Um, Not to be like, oh, my gosh, I found it before. (laughs) No, that's not what I'm trying to say. But like because it was different. It was way. Yeah, it was way different. Like the kind of the the, my philosophy is trying to like play it more like the Hoopa deck, but with Urshifu VMAX instead of Hoopa and Weezing. You know, take out the bad cards, put in the good cards. It's like the philosophy that we we say in our friend group. Um, and, like, clearly the concept itself is strong. And so whatever direction that people take it, I think what people have realized is that Urshifu is the most threatening fighting type that you can have. Mm-hmm. And fighting mm-hmm. type is a really good type to be. However, Urshifu cannot deal with the psychic types. Right. But there's a really good card that can deal with them very effectively. <laughs> and you just have to fit in the Inteleon and the Clara package to make it work. Right. So that's the Glary Moltres, of course, if you weren't picking up the hint. So the combination of the Urshifu and the Moltres really covers the field very well. Um, mm-hmm. And Urshifu is just... The comment that I made when I started with this deck is Urshifu... It, if you're not playing Mew or Shifu with an energy on it, turn one going first is like the single most threatening thing that you can see in the format, in my opinion. Unless you're playing like Mana no, Down and like otherwise have a good matchup. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, I would agree, right? Because you have just so much agency over what your opponent's going to do. Um, you know, you can you can snipe a couple of basics, right? Obviously, like anything that plays Inteleon really is afraid of yeah. getting turn two gmax rapid flows like that 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 can literally just lose the game on on turn two for them right and they might still have pokemon to play down and things like that but um just getting two sobble sniped is a nightmare scenario for a lot of (laughs) decks um but yeah you're right you know rapid strikers fu v max such a strong card um just in a vacuum so i I think the takeaway is urshifu is a threat it's here to stay and People are going to keep trying out new things, is my guess. They're going to keep yeah. experimenting with the card now that it's proven itself as powerful. And really, just because of the, the Rapid Strike energy allows it to have a lot of versatility in what you pair it with, I imagine we're going to see some some creative partners coming out of this as well. Yeah, that's a really good uh, point to make. I think, too, you know, we didn't see Manaphy really at all from any of the top lists. Um you know, we might be in this cycle where, you know, you look ahead to the next tournament, which is in Sao Paulo, Brazil, and there might be a lot of Manaphy because it's a very easy inclusion into a Malamar deck and 
like we talked about earlier, shores up that matchup reasonably well because you can, even if they knock it out, you can recover that mana fee multiple times in the Malmar deck. Um, and so, like, you know, maybe there's there's no showing of Rapid Strike Urshifu, uh, and then everyone takes out their mana fees, and then it's it's great for Germany. And then it does well in Germany, and then everyone takes out their mana fees, and then or puts back in their mana fees. You know, it's this kind of cycle of these one-of techs. And same with Dunsparce, I would say, as well, for Arceus. Like, Dunsparce and, uh, and, and mana fee, you know, are kind of the two techs that can really just handle Rapid Strike Urshifu um, okay, in a but, way, but in a way, talk? I yeah, <laughs> I, I was gonna say you, I know you were testing with Dunsparce, and obviously G Max Rapid Flow is like super good to take out those benched uh, benched basics like that. So tell us a little bit about your testing results with Dunsparce. I mean, Dunsparce is obviously helpful, right? Like it brings the matchup from <laughs> basically unwinnable to to having a chance. My experience with Dunsparce so far has been like. They're just gonna wrap. They're gonna not hit your Arceus. They're just gonna rapid flow your Dunsparce and your Sobble, mm. and you're forced basically to Clara the Dunsparce that turn, or they will Gale Thrust you. And if you don't, then they can just rapid. Flow. And if you do, they can just rapid flow it again. And presumably the Sobble or Drizzile that you used to get the Clara. <laughs> um, and you, know, you can set up plays with Raihan to like chain these rapid flows pretty reliably. Um, so not a huge fan of the Dunsparce by itself. Mm-hmm. I think you need some other juice to get all the way there. What that juice could be, in my opinion, is either an alternate attacker that trades effectively into Urshifu. It doesn't necessarily have to one-hit KO it, but it has to have really solid trades against it. Uh, I think... Hoopa V is a really good candidate if you're playing those dark energies to be able to to get that one hit KO. The other idea that I had was just playing the Manaphy and the Dunsparce, but then you're starting to clog your Arceus deck with a lot of wacky stuff that mm-hmm. is not a good starter, which right. these more straightforward Arceus and Teleon decks that are playing the Dunsparce in the first place don't really want to do. Doesn't mean they can't, they just don't really want to. Um right. But I do think if you were able to get a Manaphy and a Dunsparce down, that would feel really bad, for sure. Sure, sure. And then, you know, certainly Arceus decks, some of the Arceus decks have the space to do it. But Yeah, it's, it's not just, impossible. But it's just, do you want to devote that much space to a singular matchup? Yeah, and, and I guess my, my follow-up question is, I think Dunsparce is, like, a little wider reaching. Like, I think it's mm-hmm. a card that mm-hmm. you can justify playing for your Zapdoses and things like that. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, like, do you think Manaphy will actually see play? You know, I feel like we had, this is like even before we started the cast, but, you know, back when Greninja was a thing, we had the Giratina that that turned off all break abilities and could potentially swing Greninja matchups fairly heavily, depending on the matchup. And nobody good ever played that card, ever. Now, granted, Greninja was a significantly different deck than Rapid Striker Shifu in terms of the perception surrounding it. But do you think Manaphy will actually start to see play in lists? Outside of maybe the Malamars. Yeah, I mean, Malamar can, can, you know? And so I think they will. Um, But 
outside of that, you're you're 100 percent right. Is like I don't think that there's um, that there's really much reason because we look at you know obviously Mew shouldn't play it. <laughs> yeah, that would you be know, weird. Just, that doesn't make any sense. Um, you know, just going down the list here, like uh, Arceus decks, they really want to start the Arceus, so probably not like you know you, you just want to be careful on how much you clog your deck up with random basics so again like probably not a jolteon deck hard to say there too because they have most lists are playing a healing you know uh, uh aspect to it so if they take too much bench damage on a jolteon v max they can cheryl that off um, and also so they like, just lose to rapid strike anyway <laughs> and, and also yeah also rapid strike just is a terrible matchup regardless uh so probably not um you know wh- what what's left at that point right so yeah i doubt that you're gonna see it as like a knee-jerk inclusion just across the board but i would say that it makes you know pretty decent sense in malamar i guess a more pointed question with <laughs> If you were playing in South Hollow this weekend, would you play a Mana Fee in your deck? Would I play it? Heck no. <laughs> exactly. Like, oh, everyone no, else will do would, it. Would I play it? Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. No, absolutely. No chance. The field's no chance. got me. The field's got me. <laughs> <laughs> That's, right. Exactly. Exactly. Now, speculating on what others will do, you know, that because, like, the thing about metas that you realize over time is that there are just so many people that are, you know, they think they're a step ahead, but but that's the problem is that to be an effective metagamer, you have to be two steps ahead. There's only one JW, right? <laughs> well, I, I don't mean to say like, well, everyone, <laughs> no, you know, everyone sucks. Uh, I just mean to I say know, I know what you mean. Yeah. the step ahead is, oh, I have to play the mana fee. But then the two steps ahead is everyone's playing mana fee. So I don't need to, you know, let the field take care of it like leave that space open for something else a little bit more useful so yeah i saw an interesting comment on a just a random twitter thread the other day uh, by andrew ramble and he said something i thought was really interesting and that pokemon isn't a game that's played at like the deck level it's played at the collection level and what he meant Mm. by that is you know the specific inclusions that you make in your deck and the way that you build it is ultimately like what informs you know, your performance at a lot of these mm-hmm. events. Once you hit that kind of like skill threshold, like that, that is what's going to make or break your, your performance is did, did you find the deck for that event? Yep. Yep. And 100% that, agree. that means the 60 cards, not even like the archetype. <laughs> yep. Yep. So I, I kind of respect that take and I appreciate, I like, I liked the way that he phrased it. It stuck. A well. very articulate young man, a very articulate young man. <laughs> Friend of the cast, Andrew Wimble. <laughs> so, JW, looking ahead to Sao Paulo then, now that we've gotten a glimpse into what's changed from Liverpool, what would you say your top three picks are? Yeah, it's really interesting just how far um, it feels like, you know, because we had a, a total domination of Gengar in Salt Lake. And basically saw none of that in Europe, whether or not they just don't like the archetype or, uh, you know, I don't think it has a particularly good matchup uh, into Malamar. Yeah. Oh, it's just, really bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Being, being two and three prize focused. 
Um, so, you know, that that's just really interesting. Like the resurgence of Malamar, I'm sure, kept down a lot of the uh, Gengar players. So heading into Actually, Sao before Paulo, we before we go to Sao Paulo, one side tangent. Nobody was playing Marnie <laughs> in Europe. <laughs> yeah. Which I think was How a factor weird. in the Urshifu deck doing so well. <laughs> Yeah, that's probably fair, right? Yeah, because you have the Malamar decks, they aren't playing it. You got the the Mew decks, they aren't playing it. I mean, pretty crazy. I think Bella Magikarp did did some number running, and there was like maybe three copies of Marnie or something in all of the top eight. <laughs> <laughs> like, I play three copies of Marnie in decks right now, man. <laughs> what? What are you talking about? <laughs> That's so funny. just a sidebar tangent. I had to. I had to. I could not say it. Continue mm. to Sao Paulo. That's fair. So uh, if I were to go to Sao Paulo this week, Mew is. It just seems good. I think you know what we learned from Liverpool is that um, you know just because Mew didn't perform particularly well in um, in Salt Lake City, that it's not just a bad deck, right? Like we kind of figured that it would rebound this week in Liverpool and it certainly did had you know every chance to win the tournament was pretty well represented in day two a lot of good players took it I mean all these things kind of work together to say yeah Mew is is still not going anywhere so that's got to be the premier choice for players heading into the uh the weekend second would be man it's kind of painful to say but you know, you got to think about Malamar being that kind of second uh, second best deck, second most well-poised deck right now for how the metagame's shaping up to be. So Malamar at number two, and then I think at number three, you have some Arceus variants. I think Arceus is still quite, quite strong. Um, but you just, you're, you're not, you know, you're not that great into, into Malamar, so... Is there a way that you think of to improve that? Improve the Malamar matchup? Yeah. Not off the top of my head. I mean, of course, if you're playing the Inteleon version of Arceus, you could maybe try to get, you know, enough quick shooting down to take a snipe prize, you know, and, and knock out an Inkay and then also knock out the active Malamar. And then if you're a Malamar player, uh, maybe is playing a little suboptimally. They won't have a third NK down. I mean, that might be some kind of route that you could go. But yeah. in terms of like a silver bullet, I don't necessarily think that Arceus has it. Interesting. Yeah, I I think I would present something similar. I, again, personally, I'm not apt to play either Mew or Malamar if as my first choice, just because of that like lack of agency. <laughs> I think my first choice would be an Urshifu Ultras deck myself. It wouldn't look exactly like Robin's List, but I think the concept is really strong and something I want to continue exploring, at least <laughs> as of today. You know, that might change tomorrow or the next day. The The next deck I think I would agree with at number two, I would, would Malamar would be my number two. Um, just really solid matchups across the board. Very, you know, consistent to an extent it's got the one prize failings but right you know if you go second you can pretty reliably get your guys out and you know we saw that with you know the 9-0 start from joe bernard it was uh pretty impressive very then, uh, impressive 
my third pick would also be an Arceus variant. I would have to I would have to play Dunsparce, and it would have to have a solid answer to Urshifu. Um, I think it would be the Hoopa if if you ask me today. Mm. The uh, the Hoopa V. The Hoopa V. Yep. The dual type yeah. Hoopa V. So you would play it with you'd play it with um, you know Path presumably, but probably like only two, and then you just wouldn't drop it. Yeah, in I might or... even I might even do something closer to like the Ian Rob deck, but with the Hoopa V and a Dunsparce ideally. Okay. Um. So like lean more into that. Okay. Yeah, that could be cool. I could see something like that, uh, like that doing pretty decently. Um, would it just be a singular Hoopa? Would it be probably? Yeah. Okay. I don't think anymore. And then, that. and then you'd also play like the Zapdos as well. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I get that kind of type coverage. Okay. That's where. So an Arceus where, toolbox. Yeah, like a thinner Arceus line, thinner DTE line. Yeah, you know, but you got your Moltres and Teleon. I, I'm. If it's not clear, like two of my top decks have like the Inteleon Moltres <laughs> concept built into it. <laughs> I yeah. think that's really good right now. It's also like just a solid option throughout the game. Like if you start off trading well enough into Malamar and you can just chain Moltres for a couple turns, you can close out that matchup because they can't take enough prizes quickly enough. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that just pans out really well outside of the fact that Moltres is really good versus Mew. Plus, it's like the highest single damage single prize attacker that isn't like entirely <laughs> like archetype focused you know yeah like malamar right. right so those are those would be my top three Some, something along those lines or shifu followed by malamar followed by arceus cool well there you have it tag team special i think it's time jw let's do it that special time the card of the day Hit us up Absolutely. with it, my guy. Yeah, so this one I wanted to, since our final topic of the day is PTCG Live, I wanted to bring us back to a simpler time <laughs> of the beta of PTCGO, of which I was a part of. I Man, I just remember the excitement that we all had. And then it finally came out and it's like, you know, it wasn't great. It was very flat. Um, it was very kind of boring. You know, looking back on it, it was very boring. But it was going zero to, you know, enjoying the game in a way that we had never done before. Um, you know, automated processes, um, you know, being able to to link with friends you know, anywhere being able to play on a randomized ladder, like all these things were just big, big things for the game and and being able to just test without needing another person to sit on another computer to play TCG one with the like webcams you could just, or TCG yeah, one. Yeah. Yeah. Or the webcams. Exactly. So uh, one of the biggest cards that, uh, that I remember from those days, it wasn't maybe exactly when the beta came out, but certainly in those early days of PTCGO, one of my favorite cards from that time, Landorus EX. Mm. So Landorus EX has a hammerhead ability or an attack, excuse me, hammerhead ability. <laughs> <laughs> has a hammerhead attack, 30 damage and 30 damage to one of your opponent's bench Pokemon. And then has a lands judgment attack. The first one 
Uh, Hammerhead is one fighting, and Land's Judgment is two fighting and a colorless. 80 damage. You may discard all fighting energy attached to this Pokemon, and if you do, it does 70 more damage. A lot of people will liken this Landorus to the Buzzwold GX. That I was, was going to say. One yeah. of your favorites. Well, I'm not, I'm not a big Buzzwold guy, to be honest. Not a Buzzwold head. <laughs> really? You didn't You didn't like... I was a Buzzwold Buzz hater. Card. I was a Buzzwold hater. But yeah, but I did, did you play? I did contribute to several Buzzwold decks, yeah. <laughs> It was in really any good. case, yeah. yeah, Lander CX uh, was kind of the the granddaddy of uh, of the Buzzwool. It's actually crazy in, in that ways. that Buzzwool was so so similar to Landorus. Like, really, the main difference was that its second attack just did slightly more damage, and it had the GX attack. And it was like I think, the defining part of a format. It had I know, more and HP. it had ten more HP. I think. Yeah, I think it had one ninety. Yeah, it did. Yeah. And it was a format defining card. <laughs> it was that it was just goes crazy. to show how good landorus was yeah right? landorus like, was awesome for sure so landorus was awesome um really cool card and i just remember that being at a you know 70 degree angle you're like trying to <laughs> peek at yeah. what's on your opponent's bench in uh, it's like a million miles away from your perspective <laughs> yeah. yeah it really is <laughs> could not be any farther possibly from your field of view <laughs> It's so funny. It's so funny. Throwback to TCGO. If you haven't seen what TCGO used to look like, it, the appearances evolved drastically even in the last, like, five years. Like, definitely, like, Google search, go to Puka's YouTube channel. Like, look at what TCGO used to be. It's crazy how far we've come. And it's crazy what our future could look like. It it do be crazy. It do be crazy. Let's take a moment to settle down from the crazy though and talk about our sponsor or tag team so if you're unaware tag team is presented by manscaped they've been a friend of the cast for about half a year now and we've really really enjoyed working with them manscaped products are top of the line male grooming accessories and products and jw and i literally use them every single day to great effect manscaped is partnering with tag team as well to offer you great deals to get their products all you have to do is you have to wiggle on over to manscaped.com and use the code tag team that's t-a-g-t-e-a-m at checkout and when you do that you will be blessed with 20 percent off and free shipping that is a deal that you cannot pass up on. That is a sticker slapper of a deal. JW, why don't you tell us about some of your experiences with Manscaped? Well, Manscaped just has released a new product that every TCG player absolutely has to have or else they'll be ostracized, and that is deodorant. Never before has Manscaped offered deodorant, but they've come out with a new line, and it's really nice. I was just using it uh, the other day, and it's it's quite uh, quite fragrant. I just like the feel of it, how it smells, and um, it's really nice. So yeah, you don't want to be that guy at uh, you know at the regionals who every time you turn around, you know people are like. Hey, what's that smell? <laughs> you know, get yourself some grooming products from Manscaped. They got deodorant, you know, body wash, 
uh, shampoo and conditioner, all these different the, products. The that TCG are tournament fantastic. starter kit. <laughs> you might call That's it. right. That's right. Yeah, actually could be a nice little tweet there in the future but yeah like riley said get your products at manscape.com code tag team for 20 percent off plus free shipping make those ultra balls gold with manscaped all right jw long awaited tcg live it's been a hot topic this week for those of you who aren't involved in the pokey sphere uh, particularly on twitter uh, also on YouTube, TCG Live has been getting some some flack this week. It seems like people's opinions have really boiled over with this client and kind of the direction that we're headed in the online space. And I think that frustration is compounded, in my opinion, by the relative radio silence that we've gotten from the development and team and the Pokemon company in general about what what is even going on. Like, what is the timeline? What is the direction here? What kind of feedback are we implementing? Compounded further by the fact that bugs seem to almost be getting worse. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, we have the infamous Chip Ritchie Marnie timeout clip where the timer starts ticking down before he can play cards because mm-hmm. the animation takes so long and his turn just passes uh, because he timed out during the animation for his Marnie. I mean, things are looking a little bleak out there, JW. What's your pulse on the on the feel right now? Well, I think to an extent, um, because I, I want to make sure that when I'm talking about the game, that I am also remembering that there are people behind this game's development. Like, there are human beings behind this game's development. I think it's very easy for us as a community to be kind of, you know, riled up under, you know, one leader or a handful of, you know, content creator leaders to join the mob and just rush in to just say kind of whatever we want and feel like, oh, we're protected because everyone's doing it. And I think it's really important, um, you know, to have these criticisms uh, and say them in a way that that remembers that there's some guy, you know, just trying to feed his family, you know, for the most part, like on the other side of this, that's that's, uh, uh, you know, creating this product. And, and, you know, possibly they thought they did a great job, you know. Um, and so just remembering that human element of things is really important. The other thing, too, is that um, – when you're offering criticism, I think it's really good to offer constructive criticism. So instead of saying this client is trash, which I've seen multiple times, you say, here's what I don't like about the client. You know, the, there's too much white space. The game doesn't, you know, have a certain feel that I like or, you know, whatever it is, but it's just, I think we're too often, or another one that I see that I really dislike is, you know, I, this looks way worse than hearthstone. I was like, well, why does it look worse? You know, can't you offer some kind of feedback mm. such that someone would know what you mean when you say this looks way worse than Magic the Gathering? Like, well, why? You know, why? Um, I just think it's really easy for us. And I, I feel like I'm seeing that a little bit of players that are kind of joining in on this on this uh, warranted, warranted <laughs> kind of hate towards CG Live. But uh 
just I think it could be could be focused a little bit more. Mm. So you want to see more pro- productivity out of the hate is what I'm hearing. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, if you if you don't yeah. like it, that's great. Like that's that's good and and probably you know needs to be voiced sooner rather than later, right? Because um, we could be stuck with this client for. 10 years, like we were P2CGO, right? It's not like, and this is what I'm really worried about. And this, I think is what Andrew's worried about. Whatever you content creators worried about is like, they're going to push this out. And then this is going to be what it is for 10 years, just like P2CGO was. Yeah. And that's scary. That's, that's really scary uh, to have this product in this current form. You know, you could say beta, um, you know, you could say things are going to change. Um, but on the flip side, like he, there's a lot of evidence to say that they are very close to just like having what they consider a finished product and releasing it. Right. Like it's, it's been in Pokemon packs advertised Since for Fusion six Strike. months. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, you know, certainly they think that it's very close to being done. Um, and so that's just the scariest thing is that this could be the future of the game because they could just sunset PTCGO make this thing you know ship it and that could be our future for 10 years and considering how many updates they did to ptcgo over its 10-year lifespan it's just gonna be tough to to get any change i think after after everything's said and done and after the you know i don't know however it works like the final document is signed after the yeah dust is settled like it's just gonna be hard yeah i mean we leveraged quite a few criticisms against TCG Live when it first dropped. If you're interested for some of those details, you can check out that episode of the cast. I think ultimately there's seems to be like a couple of main points that people are making, and I do think it's worth at least bringing those up. We don't have to dive super deep into each of them. But for awareness and, and understanding of kind of the context behind all this, here's some of the main points. First is kind of the visual direction of the client. Uh, There's a couple of ways that manifests. First, the avatars are made with kind of an outdated looking 3D modeling style. It doesn't really look super appealing, especially in contrast to kind of the, uh, the beautiful art style that's been associated with the Pokemon trading card game. You know, I, I think Pokemon trading card game has a phenomenal reputation for very appealing cards (laughs) Uh, and that kind of eats away at that sentiment when you have like ugly characters to accompany them the other criticism that has been leveraged is kind of the way the game feels and i think a lot of that can be attributed to the mobile directionality of the design of the game Uh, so things like you can't snappily like click on cards very often if at all in tcg live you know it's a lot of dragging around with a mouse which just feels silly um one thing that tcgo in my opinion does really well is actions are very snappy you know you Mm -hmm. click on a card and something happens right there uh you don't get that same kind of feedback with tcg live which is a huge deal in an online card game i think the other kind of visual component is the gameplay field very uh bland in terms of its architecture you got the hexagon dimension that we've talked about before bathroom tile floor however you want to call it just relatively little going on and very much of the screen on desktop is not consumed by the game it's just white space that is filling the the screen 
And the last like unsung criticism that I really want to address is the crafting system doesn't seem to be as fruitful as people had initially hoped or intended for. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can look up some of the the tweets and, and numbers that people have been gathering, but it seems if you're not like kind of buying into the system, uh, you know, for context, like celebrations packs seems to be the best way to gather credits. You know, if you're not hoarding celebrations packs, it seems like it'll actually be fairly difficult to to craft things effectively. And that can leave you a little stimmied as well. Whereas on TCGO, you could always, and I'm not, say, I'm not saying the trading is good on TCGO, but I do want to bring the counterpoint. Like on TCGO, you could always like trade the cards that you have for a different set of meta cards if you wanted to. And any right, there was yeah, I was going to say there certainly were players that kind of touted themselves as being able to take one deck and kind of play that through the entirety of the format, and then just at the end of its life cycle, they could trade some of the cards in there. To yeah, try to get or even a like midway through, even one. midway through the format, like if they wanted to play a different deck but they didn't want to invest more stuff, you could trade. Uh, the lack of agency over your ability to get the credits in TCGO combined or TCG Live combined with the credit drop rates means you could end up like having to pigeonhole yourself into decks if you're not abusing kind of the the system to get as many credits as quickly as possible which still would require upfront investment uh, which is the yeah. whole thing that people wanted to avoid in the first place <laughs> yeah exactly the the thought of it being a free-to-play game i think is uh, is kind of silly and i actually found myself in that predicament myself when i had input maybe a hundred celebrations codes um i thought i was going to be pretty good for a while and then you know i was up at about like 10 15 000 credits and then i wanted to make one new deck and every single v costs 750 to you know what 1500 credits if it's a v max to craft yeah and so i kind of just burned through that making one deck and then um i was like oh i i'm really uh really low on credits i don't really have any more celebrations codes so i guess i'll just put in random codes so i had a bunch of uh evolving skies codes where i was able to like put in a couple hundred and be able to at a certain point you know start to turn a lot of those um into dust right a lot of those those redemption cards into dust but it took me a long time and took a lot of codes and so like you said we're Uh, the more I play like initially it was like oh this is gonna be great all these other card games have it it works out really well for them and you know players seem to enjoy these other card games that allow you to craft but then actually getting our hands on it and getting dirty with the client the way that the economy is set up doesn't lend itself to the kind of mobility that you would imagine out of that system and I think the very first thing I thought when crafting was announced as part of TCG Live is I was concerned. And the reason that is, is because crafting is awesome when it works. It is so satisfying when you can just make your decks on the fly like that. But it is completely dependent. The success of crafting is completely dependent on kind of the ratio, the payoff that you get for what you put in. And I just had a feeling in the a pit in my stomach that the ratio would not be especially good. Uh, that it would be more on the Hearthstone side than the Legends of Runeterra side of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. And that seems to kind of be where we landed. But in Hearthstone, you can also dust your cards at will. And you cannot credit your cards at will in Pokemon. You have to get the fifth copy. Right. 
So, right. so I mean, it's potentially easy, right? Like, it's potentially a simple fix that they could just say, okay, we're going to adjust numbers, the, yeah. the ratios or, uh, I don't know, we're going to just give more credits or we're going to allow crystals to buy cards or, you know, there's, there's there are myriad fixes. ways. There are potential could... fixes out there. And I think, you know, all of these things could potentially be fixed over time, right? Like, and not to interrupt your point. The, I think all of those things could be fixed or change or have improvements. Uh, I would echo what JW said, you know, criticize with purpose, you know, make it clear like what, what you think needs to happen instead of just outright complaining. It's all well and good if you want to send like a crazy tweet once in a while, but like that doesn't actually do anything in of itself. Like make sure you're also like channeling that feedback and for every crazy tweet you make, like why don't you also make a forum post or make a more reasonable tweet at the least (laughs) outlining your critique more clearly yeah yeah it's just it's frustrating because a lot of um and then like we go to the in-game actions um a lot of the in-game actions just don't enhance the gameplay experience and i think that's what you would look for um you know you have like taking prizes is almost a detriment (laughs) In the many ways, bang, yeah, yeah. I mean, the 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 infamous flashbang. Um, it's like you you have to brace yourself. You're like, you know, when you take a prize, you know, theoretically, it should be this, you know, glorious, you know, very happy, you know, jubilant <laughs> event, and instead you're you're punished, <laughs> you're punished. for doing so. Um, you know, all, all of the all of the clicking and dragging, like I understand, maybe for mobile game, mobile game that's fine. But there's no kind of heft to the card. There's no weight to the actions that you're taking. Um, when Pokemon attack into each other, you know, you would think that there would be some kind of like PTCGO. I was like just thinking about this the other day. Is like PTCGO has at least a little animation and the board that like you would shakes ex- and stuff. Yeah, something that you would expect from like a a third or fourth gen video game. Right. Where it's like kind of a standard animation, but it always happens. And, you know, you can imagine that the Pokemon are doing battle like to some extent. Right. It's not very detailed. And like you would hope that the next generation client would be able to expand on that idea a little bit, just as how the video games have expanded on that idea. Um, But to not have that. To not have my gameplay enhanced with those types of effects uh is it's puzzling it's um kind of saddening that we could have this client for uh the next 10 years and i think that's the most concerning thing because i think the way the game operates is the hardest thing to change at this point you know the graphical direction could theoretically be changed will it be changed maybe not but it could in my opinion more easily be changed than like the backbone for how the game works <laughs> and how mm-hmm. it interacts with the cards on the screen. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I've, I've been kind of down on TCG live for a while. JW and I, you know, we spoke to it in the episode a few weeks ago. It's definitely boiled over across the community over the last week. And uh, we just want to see better. We want to see better for the game that we love. Ultimately Pokemon, the Pokemon card game deserves a better client than what it seems like TPCI is willing to provide right now. Yeah. It's, a, yeah, it's, it's just, an awesome game. We want to see it succeed. 
Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, it's it's captivated me for 20 years. You know, it's the one like game in my life that I have played since a childhood, you know, since I was a child to now that I, you know, up until recently, like couldn't have ever seen myself walking away from. But, you know, and, and this is, you know, there's a lot of bigger problems in the world than, you know, me wanting to quit Pokemon. But if this is our online client, uh, it's it's like hard, you know, if this is how it remains for the foreseeable future and they sunset PTCGO and go fully into live, it's really hard to imagine, um, you know, myself playing the game for at least in the online sense uh, right. as a content creator. And um, would I still do it? Like I, I try, but it just gets a lot harder. And I, I just don't think that we're pulling in new players that easily. And that's the with, disappointing thing to me. Yeah. With this. So yeah, it's just depressing. I don't want to be too depressed. I mean, you guys are hearing it all the time on Twitter and uh, you know, from, from different content creators, but just frustrating. Absolutely frustrating. You know how they can help cure our depression. <laughs> <laughs> I have an idea. Classic podcaster guy moment. <laughs> if you want to help cure JW's depression, why don't you rate and review on your favorite podcasting platform? <laughs> That's right. That's right. No, I don't actually have depression. Just nobody be worried. But you, you should know. still rate and review on your Yeah, favorite. that would be very helpful. <laughs> Regardless of our depression status, that would be big. That would be awesome. Huge. Enormous. <laughs> and if you are fans of the cast, be sure to check us out on social media. We have our primary source of social media interaction being Twitter, myself at Smiles of Riles, JW at Real John Walter. And the cast at Tag Team Pokemon. We also record live every single week at twitch.tv slash munner. We record on Wednesday evenings. So if you're looking to, you know, see the experience live, get the video feed, or even participate in chat, feel free to stop by. That's Wednesdays at 9.30 Eastern. And we just want to thank you all for being continued supportive listeners of the cast We appreciate every single one of you, and we're looking so, so forward to seeing you all over the course of the next IRL tournaments. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Riley's going to be in Germany for the international championships. We are going to be testing very hard to help him and the rest of the team succeed. It's going to be the smallest to my knowledge, international championship, just because of the size room and, you know, COVID and everything. So, uh, I would expect no less than like a top 16. But anyway, go say hi to Riley and the squad over in Germany and me and the squad in Indianapolis. Looking forward to that. So that's going to do it for today's episode. Thank you guys all so much for listening. I'll catch you on the next one. Peace. See you.